the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Sports that educates and entertains. I'm Jewel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson, Jake Galley, and crunching numbers in the back. We got Stat Matt. This past week in sports, the NFL trade deadline had no shortage of drama. The Rams trade cornerback Aqib Talib and a fifth round pick to the Dolphins for a future pick. That's what he gets. I, I've always had a vendetta against Aqib Talib ever since he did nothing for my Bucks defense and then won a Super Bowl afterwards. Well, so and, like, and I don't, yeah, I don't. Care. Last week we were wondering, you know, or maybe a couple weeks ago, what was going to happen with Jalen Ramsey, how they were going to fit all that money in, and there's your answer. Jump, he gets ship, ship shipped off. off. Yeah. Yep. Dolphins trade running back Kenyon Drake to the Cardinals for a conditional six round pick. That one. It, like some confused to me surprise I mean they did just put David Johnson um David Johnson's out so that kind of makes sense Maybe Chase Edmonds is out too so like yeah. Kenyon Drake will be getting uh a, whole a decent of amount of work you know they're they're going to be deep at that position they play the Niners this weekend too yeah so it'll be important for him the Jets trade defensive tackle Leonard Williams to the Giants for a third and fifth round pick Christian Pulisic became the first ever American to score a perfect hat trick being when a soccer player scores one goal with their left foot, one goal with their right foot, and one goal with their head in a Premier League game in Chelsea's 4-2 win over Burnley. Crazy. I never crazy. knew I never knew that that was a thing. I'm not really? going to lie to you. That's cool. I know that hockey is the Gordie Howe hat trick where you score, you fight, and you assist. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Soccer is a little different than a little hockey. Different. The NCAA committee votes unanimously to allow athletes to make money off of their name and likeness, quote-unquote, in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. That The last part of last that part, yep. is what is what makes this very hazy and very vague. Okay, we're I'm, still going to figure out a way to screw them. Exactly, uh, we're exactly. Not. You're still in the NCAA's kitchen. Remember that. You yeah. are still in the NCAA's kitchen. Yep. Here's a fact straight at you. Through eight weeks of the NFL season, there's only one team in each conference still undefeated, being the Patriots and the Niners. For that reason, we're going to exclude them as we check in on the hottest teams in the NFL. James, kick us off. I'm going to go first. Um, I'm going to travel up to the NFC North and a team who's won five straight now in the Minnesota Vikings, who look like a completely different team after they got off to that you know kind of slow start um, when they were really run-centric, and now they've kind of realized that you do have to throw the ball to win football games. And since then, I mean, they've, they've went on a tear. I mean, they beat up on your Eagles. And, you know, they've they've been playing very, very well in these last, you know, four or five games in the season. And, I, and to me, it starts with how Kirk Cousins is playing. Like, people don't always want to give Kirk Cousins his shine. And I think you, you got to give it up to the man. He's probably the number one reason as to why they're so good right now. Well, I don't know if he's the number one. People but give us a props. Here's what I'll tell you is that the way that they run their offense um, really, really allows him to thrive at what he's best at. When you're able to pound the rock, run the ball, um, it takes pressure off of him, and it also opens up deep shots where you maybe don't have to analyze that much. If you see that you've got, you know, the safety bit up a little bit, I've got one-on-one on the outside, I'm throwing it's, it up. A, it's a lot easier of a read. So he's had a good season, there's yeah. no doubt about he's that. He's first in yards per attempt, which goes exactly what you're just saying, not being afraid to throw the ball down the field. I don't know if Kirk Cousins ever has ever been a quarterback that's been afraid to throw the ball down the field, but he doesn't always do it. 
this year being number one in yards per attempt after week eight is it's kind of surprising to me for the the quote unquote game manager, the the non risk taker that Kirk Cousins has been. And that in Eagles his game helps it out. That helps the average out a little bit when you got uh, three bombs down the field against the Eagles. Really kind of stretches out your average a little bit. But right. Right, that, that's what happens. Is Do that you consider Kirk Cousins an elite quarterback? No, hell no. A, hey, no. Why? He's fringe, man. He, he he's fringe. Like let me he's ask you, fringe. He's good. Put him on the he's Chicago good. Bears. Is he doing this? No. No, he's not doing this. He's With a, a big upgrade over Trubisky. Oh, he's yeah, I was about to say, okay. a huge okay. upgrade over Most Mitchell Trubisky. Most backups are an upgrade. He's right now, I think, PFF's 33rd graded quarterback, uh, that being Mitch Trubisky. So a lot of people will be an upgrade. I'm just saying, you put him on a different team. 30, 33rd. There's, there's one quarterback who, does, team, right. who doesn't start who's above Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. So is Cousins elite? I would say no. But is he good enough? to possibly win them a Super Bowl, that's a different conversation. Look, he's completed nearly 80% of his passes for 1,262 yards ten and 10 touchdowns and just one interception in four games. I mean, he's really showed up. Like, you know, like for that to be a four-game stretch, if he, if the first four looked like the last four, we're talking about Kirk Cousins as being the front-runner for MVP. He's been the best quarterback in the division this year. That's my take. That's I know, I know, Jewel. Exactly. That's a hot take. And wait till we get to I know, I know, Jewel. Something said, let me, let me do my, do my moment first before you, oh, take, before you start moving you sit on. Sit on back there. Go Look, ahead. Staying on Kirk Cousins, though, he started in the NFL at EPA and it's expected points added. Matt, you want to, you want to really explain that to EPA the people? Per play, uh, basically, how many points you add to your team based on your production versus what an average player would do. Kind of like a war kind of statistic, mm-hmm. but. That's baseball, but just on a play-by-play basis. So on a play-by-play basis, Kirk Cousins is, is getting it done. You know, dare I say, at an elite level? Like uh, in in that in that regard, he's getting it done in an elite level. And I think what really, like what, what has really kicked this off is their offense has. For a little bit, they were run heavy. Then for a couple games, they were really pass heavy. They wanted to get you know their star wide receivers back involved. And they still weren't winning those games convincingly. In these last four, they've been balanced. There's been a great mix of run and pass. Like Just because Kirk Cousins is doing this doesn't mean Dalvin Cook hasn't been getting signed. Dalvin Cook has back-to-back 100-yard games, back-to-back two touchdown games. Well, and remember that their passing offense was something of a problem. It was Dalvin Cook propping them up for so long. And I do think that's always going to be the strength of their team and, and where they start on offense but you know remember Stefan Diggs was on the brink of asking to be traded some people say he's not on the brink this man definitely was asking (laughs) to be traded this man was on his way out the door and and, you know he catches a few long passes has a few good games it's funny because they did the exact same thing with Adam Thielen too Adam Thielen voices frustration but give the Vikings credit like there are a lot of teams who even if there's even if they're star players maybe not their number one best player but I don't think either of them can be pegged as the Vikings number one best offensive threat you probably put that on the Dalvin Cook a lot of teams if one of your players is like hey I'm not getting the ball enough it's like tough this is how our offenses get used to it but the Vikings are like no we we need to keep our star players happy because then we play well and then what happens we win games we win games because of that look I just pulled up uh, a tweet from Adam Scheffner the other night. Kirk Cousins completed 23 of 26 passes Thursday night, which is 88.5%, the highest completion percentage in a game in Vikings history, beating Brett Favre's record in 2009. Of Cousins' three incompletions, two were throwaways, and the other was a drop pass. That's pretty good. No incompletion was his fault, basically, is, I mean, is what that tweet he, is telling Look, me. he played well, but I, I just think that it's heavily propped up by the and, things. And the... And the the record was previously held by 09 Brett Favre. 
Yeah, old Viking, ass. Vikings Brett Favre. And that, that's the other thing, is that all these records that are being broken, I don't give a shit. Okay, I don't <laughs> care about your, your stat passing record now. You pad the, the passing is, you know, way, way, It's a watered-down stat You think now. enough of the nonsense he's going to regress back it's to I mean, no, that was a useful, I mean, the fact that really not, not a lot of the incompletions were his fault, none of the incompletions were his fault, like, that's a good stat still. But, like, breaking records, like, Philip Rivers is going to end up, like, breaking some records, and people are going to try and call him a Hall of Famer. We'll, we'll have that conversation when we get to Phillip it. Philip Rivers is, I am not we'll have going to. I am not allowing you to drag me down that dark path right now. Let's stay on the Vikings. We talked about that, you know, Dalvin Cook is still getting his shine on pace for 1,646 rushing yards and eight TDs on over five yards per carry. That's something that hasn't been done since LaDainian Tomlinson in 06. That's prime LaDainian Tomlinson. Like, Dalvin Cook can take the top off of any defense at any time. I don't mean to be that guy, but he is absolutely pulling my fantasy team through (laughs) the mud right now. Like, he is the only one doing doing anything um but yeah i mean i passed on him in another league and picked joe mixon so you know you take the good with the bad there you go there you go so i go over and uh, i go into the afc and i look at the ravens when you look at their entire season so far there's really only one blemish that being their loss to the cleveland browns um kind of an, like unexplainable loss right and and it is a bit of a head scratcher um but overall when you look at them this year, they're 5-2. and two. They beat the uh, Chiefs in what was an extremely impressive win. And I have news for everyone, okay? I got news for you. They're going to go in and they're going to beat the New England Patriots and give them their first loss. You have nothing to week. lose by saying that. You have nothing to lose by saying that. Just like Jarvis Landry had nothing, yeah, nothing to, to lose, lose when he said we're going to go in. And be he got nothing statement. to lose by saying it. Um, but I, like when you look at what the Patriots defense does well, take away the ball. Their defense has scored more than the teams have scored against it. It is insane. They're, I mean, it's incredibly, incredibly. Like 35 points against, 38 points yeah, it's, scored it's, or something it's, like that. It's, yeah. it's unheard of. Two touchdown passes allowed, 19 interceptions. Yeah, two touchdowns and 19 interceptions. All right, this isn't the Patriots spot. This is the Ravens. (laughs) And the reason the Ravens are going to succeed, in my opinion, against them is that they can attack teams with the run. Like, no, I mean, they they average 204 rushing yards per game first in the NFL. Um, Lamar Jackson is the first quarterback in NFL history to throw or... Yeah, to throw for... uh, Excuse me, to be on pace to throw 3,000 yards and rush for 1,000 yards. And that, that does a lot. For for your team, not only does it you know help establish your offense, it tires out the other team's defense and it keeps their offense off the field. Not to mention my man's is twenty two years old. Yeah, he got a whole lot. He got a whole lot going for him. So right, and he, I mean, you know, we could talk endlessly about how Lamar Jackson has looked, the strides that he's made, just him and himself. You want to look about running the football? He has eighty two point three yards per game. That's good for ninth in rushing yards per game in the NFL. Ninth. <laughs> Top ten in rushing as quarterback. Uh, so he's going to present challenges that the Patriots, while they have looked really impressive, have not faced. They you haven't. Know, I don't know. I don't know if ever going like, up I don't against know if Luke ever. Falk. You're going up against Sam Darnold and that trash. Yeah. I mean, it's Josh, a whole Josh Rosen. Right, it's a yeah. whole different ball game when you're looking at a guy like Lamar Jackson and when. You know, that defense isn't going to have as many opportunities to get those picks. They're not, you know, he's going to be running, and you're going to have to pay a lot of attention to Lamar Jackson when he's using his feet. And then you look at their defense. Mm -hmm. They just added Marcus Peters, who will be a huge help. Yeah, um, their depth of average target, you know, versus the Ravens is fifth highest in the league at 9.6. And it really solidified their defense. I mean, you have two probably top 10 cornerbacks on the same team now. It's funny how we were talking about that with the Rams, what, three weeks ago. And now we're talking about that with the Ravens when you have Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. There's just not a lot of – there's – 
there's not a lot of mismatches that present itself against the Baltimore Ravens on both sides of the football. Right, and they've been known, I'd say, for their cornerbacks, like you said, their defensive backfield as well. Very good. A whole bunch of names you could go up and down the list. Mm -hmm. But when you look at their pass rush, I think they're actually due for um, some regression upward or regression to the mean, rather. When you look at their quarterback knockdowns, they're first in the NFL. They have 32 quarterback knockdowns. However, and guess who don't like to be knocked down? Bro, he doesn't like to be touched. Mr. He doesn't Brady like to be don't hurried. like to be touched down. Forget knocked down. He doesn't like to be hurried. They're mm. first in quarterback knockdowns with 32. However, they're third worst in sacks with 12. You're knocking a guy down means that they're seconds away from getting home mm-hmm. on a lot of these plays. Fractions of seconds. Right. And the Patriots, look, they're, they're good at getting the ball away. I think they, uh, the last Patriots game, they ran a graphic like Tom Brady was throwing the ball in about two seconds. Right. Lamar Jackson came out and said a few hours ago that he thinks Tom Brady's the goat of all goats. Uh, not wrong. Not wrong. Easy, which, respectively, yeah. so. Do you think Matt, he's gonna, I'm not doing this with you, Matt. Do you think he's going to give him cleats after the game like OBJ? Oh, my God. <laughs> that, was, that was something. No, okay. Can I take a 30? Like, Here we go. I'm, t- I'm taking Here a 30. Here we go. That was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen OBJ's a weirdo. in my life. He's weird for that. He's no, weird you're weird shit. for that, OBJ. Like, so he's I, he wants to be a New England Patriot so bad. Um, so bad. I was listening to WEI, too. They have Tom Brady on, I think, every Tuesday or Monday. I don't know. Do but they? Yeah, so they, okay. they talked to Tom Brady pretty extensively, and uh, Tom Brady and his son... They said they were talking with Odell Beckham Jr. His son's like a huge Odell fan. And uh, they were talking to him like for long after the after all the players and media had cleared out and all that stuff. So maybe the cleats were for him. I do agree. I think he wants to be like a Patriot bad. So like bad. he really he, wants to I be mean, a Patriot I mean, he praised them preseason. It's his first year with the Browns, and he was praising the, pra- he praising the Patriots preseason. Can you see Baker's face in the picture? Yeah. Oh, that's, oh I've never seen mad. a more sick face. I've never seen a more sick oh, face. Oh, he was all right, go, go, yeah, we'll let's, get, get, let's get back to the <laughs> Ravens. <laughs> we'll get back on track. We'll get back on track. When, go ahead. When you look at their offense, again, we know what they can do um, with the running game. But overall, they're second in total yards per game, which is fourth in um, estimated points added per play. So they're right up there with the Vikings. The Vikings are, I think, third in the NFL, you said, um, in EPA per play? Uh, For for overall offense, they're fifth. For overall offense, they're fifth. And then for the Ravens, their overall offense is fourth. So just like as hot as the Vikings have been, the Ravens uh, as well have been extremely hot. The only thing, I was looking at their stats, and there's something that stuck out to me that really worries me about my prediction with the Patriots. When you look at Patrick Owasso, their linebacker, he's really good at racks up tackles. Um, In pass coverage, however, he, in 22 targets, has allowed 21 completions if he plays, he's banged up. If he plays, I would expect you can James White, you can book him for 10 catches. Yeah, and we all know what the Patriots do. If we can see where the Ravens' strengths are, the Patriots obviously know where the Ravens' strengths are, and they will take, those, take them away and then attack your weaknesses. So I do expect a whole lot of long drives by the Patriots, not letting Lamar Jackson have much opportunity to have the football in his hands, and you're right. Um, Patrick's going to get picked on a little bit, and uh, James, James White will, will, will have a day. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to... Who's your hottest team? Uh, yeah, I look, wonder who look, Jewel's hottest no, team is. No, this is not me being biased either. I genuinely think the Packers are rocking the NFC right now. Okay. Um, Look, like a lot of new faces this year, they're keeping their ground each game. They're entering each new game fresh. I like to see it. Uh, Matt, I don't know if I should turn directly towards you. Give me to him! This way. Give me to him! But uh, I don't know if y'all uh, listened to Matt a couple episodes ago. He had ding, ding, ding. a quote-unquote deep dive of... 
uh, Rogers kind of her on the decline of his her, career. Her and I, I have red. I have a little uh, stat for you there, stat Matt. <laughs> on pace for a career high passing yards, best passer rating since 2014. Uh, he must have heard you, stat Matt, too. because he's firing back <laughs> on the field. Uh, when you surround a good quarterback with players that can try to counter to this better he can become a great quarterback okay oh, oh, no you have a weird Jones. thing about Aaron Rodgers yeah, you dog do. you have a weird thing about Aaron Rodgers I love 2010 through 2014 Aaron Rodgers since then he's been he's a good quarterback he's like sixth in the end of sixth back quarterback in the league you're like so split. You're like so freaking wait, Kanye fans like that. You're like, I only like six, like sixth best. Kanye. So then that means that Kirk Cousins to you must be top no, five. No, no, this there we year, go. Kirk Cousins is better than Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Are he backtracking? I said this year is having the best. He's the best quarterback. He has what? the best season what? this year. Kirk Cousins will fall off because I don't trust him in big games. I trust Rodgers in big games. Look, I, and I'm not going to go as far as, like, Kirk Cousins is having a better season. He's not the better quarterback. Kirk Cousins is around, like, ninth, 10th. Look, yeah, he's currently like... second in the NFL with 2,324 passing yards and moving towards throwing for... 4,648 yards, which would set him at a new career high. He's also averaging 8.2 yards per attempt, 12.6 yards per completion, and 8.0 adjusted net yards per attempt. All three would represent his best marks since 2014. Yeah, she came ready for smoke, bro. She came ready ready for smoke at you. And it was funny because I think the Packers really turned, like kind of turned it on themselves in this season because they started out their offense started out slow and their defense was so hot and was the reason they were winning games and I think in this last four or five game stretch that we're talking about them being hot I think that their offense is really I think a lot of the reason that they're being hot too is LaFleur's excuse me the LaFleur's strategy too he has him really targeting eight to ten different receivers each game and his top receivers uh is running back, Mm -hmm. partly due to Devontae Adams being out, but that's also, you know, strategically Matt LaFleur kind of saying, hey, look... Throw Let's a ball around the yard. Yeah, throw exactly. a ball Exactly. I always think a quarterback, I always think an offense goes better when at least six, seven, eight re- different receivers catch a ball in the game. Like, you can't key in on one person. Like, yes, if you have a star receiver, you want him to get, like, at least ten targets. Right, they're, like, not relying on a Jordy. Yeah, like yeah, they but, like, when, or... when, when you have eight different receivers catch a ball, there's, I'm sorry, just on a defense, there aren't eight different people that can adequately cover. So you're just targeting so many different people the on all the, the best quarterbacks. Yeah. Spread it Aaron around, Jones was also uh, named NFC Player of the Week, BT Dubs, um, mm-hmm. after doing some work versus the Chiefs we all witnessed the other night. Uh, he had set seven catches for 159 yards and two touchdowns, which also added to 13 carries for 67 yards so, on the ground. I, to me, the Eagles' loss is so weird because if you look at all these stats that at you're naming, too. like they're they haven't changed up. They didn't like it's not like in the Eagles game they did something different than they have done. We the rest of the year. It was what yeah. you did. It's what the Eagles did. Yeah, it's what you. It's what the Eagles did. And, and speaking of Aaron Jones, what befuddles me is that for as long as I've been watching football, the Green Bay Packers have not had one singular guy who is like a total workhorse. Aaron Jones is a really good running back. And Jamal they wanted, Williams... They wanted Eddie Lacy to be that. He was right. that and for they like still a season. There's no IT in the home. Yeah, it's collaborative. Amon Green, right. He's like the last like real workhorse back. Look, Jules, is that blast from the past? Wow, Amon Green. You haven't heard that name in a minute. I was about to say, Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant was going to be a really good running back. That's true. That was a good squad. That just shows you how quickly running backs get washed. Do you see my eyes lighting up right now? I haven't... Wow, that was a... 
blast from the past. Yes, uh, it was. I don't. I don't know. Of these three teams, who do we predict is going to have Packers going to end the season? At the, I can't. I can't ask you any <laughs> question. It's like asking you a question about the Eagles. Like, of course, I'm super objective. I'm not being biased. Look legitimately, they thought they were going to come in a little hesitant just because of LaFleur being the coach coming in with the new squad. They have, uh, listen, they have a whole new squad. I think I read a stat. I don't know have the exact numbers in front of me. I think only 23 returning players out of like the 50-something that are vets versus like all the new guys. And they're, they're you know, they're mixing, matching, and it's working for them. I think it starts with your best player. And Aaron Rodgers admittedly came into the season and saying he wanted to be coached. He wanted to be led in a new direction. And I think that's something with under Mike McCarthy, especially the last two or three years, he, yeah, he was unwilling to do. He's unwilling to be coached. He kind of didn't want to hear anything that Mike McCarthy was saying. He's willing to listen to Matt LaFleur, and they feed off each other well. You saw the one clip where Rodgers came in and said, I want five, and LaFleur said, I want six. That's the type of person Aaron Rodgers feeds off of, that you can do better. No matter how good it is, I know you. You're Aaron Rodgers. I know you can do better. And he that's the kind of energy that he gets going. And it's 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 showing. It's showing a lot. Packers have an easy schedule. They have uh, the they have three teams left with winning records. They're the Panthers, which I think are not that good. I a think lot of teams got an easy schedule, Jewel. I don't yeah. I don't hold schedule against no, anybody. No, no, no. They're the Vikings up. actually saying, do too. They're coming up. They've beaten good teams. Packers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the at 49ers, that's gonna be a huge game. And then they play the Vikings again. Other than that, that's I think there's easy five wins, which puts them to twelve, which probably gets them a buy. I think that that Forty Niners game already got flexed, didn't it? I thought I saw something already got moved to it to should. a later game, yeah, to a four twenty five game. All right, guys, this is a big night. Do you know why it's a big night? I know why it's a big night. Do you why know why it's a big night, Jake? <laughs> yes, God. Good oh, on that. There the it is. I love the Sixers too, but it is the MLB World Series goes to Game Seven. Two the, best words in sports, baby. Game Seven. The first time in the history of the four major sports that the first six games of a seven-game series were won by the road team. It was. It was crazy when. It was funny because both times, the Nationals won the first two games. I'm like, this draw might be over in four or five. When the Astros won three straight and Washington, I'm like, Astros going to come back and win four straight <laughs> and, and close this series out. Now we're on to game seven, and I am legit scratching my head as to who is going to win this game well, tonight. According to the lyrics of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, all six games have been a shame. Yeah, yep, there you go. Uh, some that's science Jacks, on your head. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that, that's the mark of a great series, right? You never know. It's ups and downs. It's back and forth. And um, I've been riding the Astros. Uh, I don't bet or anything, but, uh, I mean, I, from I when? Say, yes, you do. Uh, uh, Such a good boy. What, are bet. you, like, better than the rest he does of us? Bet. I act does like bet. you don't Anyways, bet. Anyways, listen, from, like, when? Like, three months ago? Whenever they got grinky, I was like, all right, they're going to win. For mm-hmm. that? For that point alone, I have no other rooting interest. I just want to be right. So <laughs> I'm hoping they win. But like like you said, I mean, it has been a really awesome series. Let's talk about the standouts from each team. All right. I mean, I, to me, we have to start with Juan Soto. The best player in the series right We have now. to start with Juan Soto. The best Soto. player in the series. Yeah. yeah. Um, I told you guys, I listened to a lot of radio for my other job. I was listening and... The Nationals uh, media, the D.C. media, was literally laughing, possibly maybe a little crying about how good Juan Soto was, crying about how good, how much better he was than Bryce Harper and how yeah. glad they were they had him than Bryce Harper, which is Whatever. a little eye roll. But, Whatever. Um, yeah, he has been insane. 304, um, 1190 OPS, three home runs, six RBIs. Uh, coming up in clutch moment after clutch Look, moment. His lone hit of the game was also the most decisive one with his 
413 foot blast off blast. Justin Verlander. Absolute blast. Like, Nuts. Like absolute blast. And I think his approach at the plate is so ahead of like ahead of his years. Um, he's only 20 years old, but 21. 20, 21 years old, and he hits with power. He's a power hitter. But if you watch him at the plate, when he gets in two strike situations, you know, one oh two, one two, two two, two strike situations, his approach at the plate changes so much, and that's why he's so good with hitting with two strikes. He was top, I believe, he was top half of the league, and he's top third of the postseason with hitting with two strikes. He's so good is because when it, when it comes down to it, he's not just trying to swing for the fence every single time. He swings up his swing, looks for the right pitch in the right spot, and he's just looking to make contact. Um, and that home run, I mean, that home run came on, what, a 3-1 count, I believe, so he knew he knew Verlander had to come to him, but when he hits with two strikes, he's so he's so lethal. When your four hitter is able to do that, it's it's as a nightmare. His bomb off of Verlander that I just mentioned in Game Six made him the youngest player ever to hit three or more home runs in the same World Series. Look, I'm not gonna say the Nationals are right for kind of saying like, "Oh, good riddance, Bryce Harper, we got Juan Soto," but there is a lot of reasons to be very excited about Juan Soto being I mean, the face of so, your franchise. He's so good, so young, like. He's like, is it is it too early to call him like the next Mike Trout? Like a guy who can do, especially at the plate, can do, you know, pretty much anything that you ask of him. Hits for power, hits for average. Um, he also plays in the outfield, so that helps. But yeah, he's been a big and I love like his demeanor can rub people the wrong way, I think, especially the way he acts in the batter's box with the I think Grinky threw at him one time after he like swiped, he stands real close to the plate. And as you were saying before the show, James, I, I think that's why he got Verlander is yeah. that he was standing so close to the plate. Verlander put one in, didn't move. And then the next one was Verlander, same place. Verlander went back and Soto was counting on it. And he's just, a, just such a good hitter that if he guesses right, it's going 400 feet. Like, don't let him guess right because it's going out of the ballpark. Um, I think also if we you know stay on the brand of the Nationals go down, we also have to talk about Anthony Rendon. Mm-hmm. Another huge clutch hit, the, the one that gave him their seven runs to ultimately stretch that insurmountable gap. Uh, 292 batting average with a, 12, a 912 OPS and a huge game six, seven RBIs last night. It's either going to, if they win, it's either going to be him or Juan Soto for World Series MVP. And I think they're going to swing with Rendon because he's been a little bit more consistent. Well, the two-run double in the ninth was the... It was a shifting game yeah, point. That that was that was the that was the nail in the coffin, the proverbial nail in the coffin. Once that happened, um, it was over. But it's not only game six that Rendon is doing stuff like this. Um, timely hits and he's playing great defense over there uh, over there at third for them. Like Rendon has been, you know, one of the reasons. Working at bats and making the Astros pitchers. The fir- a lot his of very first at bat, his very first at bat when he got when he got that hit, it was an amazing at bat to start the game. Like I, I'm watching this at bat to start, and it was such a professional baseball player first at bat of a game six of a World Series. Whole lot of hype going on. Verlander, um, you know, Trey Trey Turner gets on. And then they move the runner over, and now Verlander is working off a whole lot of emotion. The crowd gets in it. And how do you take the crowd out of it? Have a long, methodical at bat, wear Verlander down, who is known to when he gets deep in the count, he gets his most vulnerable, and Rendon just took advantage of that. And stuff like that can kind of go overlooked in the regular season. Yeah. But when everything is amplified in the playoffs and you have a guy who is just grinding everything out, making you work your hardest and play perfect— it, it is really hard to beat a guy like that in an at-bat. And then also, we'll talk about some impending free agencies a little bit later, but, like, 
are they going to are they going to be able to bring him back? Like, what's the deal with, with him? He's a free agent heading he's into twenty twenty. He's a free agent. Is he, and not only are they going to bring him back, is he going to get more money than Bryce Harper? I mean, <laughs> look, that's the way that's the way baseball is trending. It's not. It's weird to say, Jewel, but in five years, a Bryce Harper contract will be like. A, an all-star try to be a good contract it won't be bryce harper and mike trout getting that contract it'll be anthony rendon trey turner you know getting getting that kind of contract which is stupid um but we coming into this series we were very high on the pitching matchups and we highlighted who we thought was going to be the best pitcher in this series possibly max scherzer for the nationals and it ended up being steven strasburg for the nationals who it was very is had been very good was very good last night except for you know two very key moments where Bregman got him um, and uh, and Springer almost got him too. But overall, he's been really good. Um, in this series, he's 2-0 with a 2-5-1 ERA. Third pitcher ever to win five games in a single postseason, joining Randy Johnson and Francisco Rodriguez in 0-1 and 0-2. And it's weird because I hate the Nationals, but they got players that make me root for them. And Steven Strasburg is one of them. The number one overall pick in, what was that, 2010? Right, right like before that? they got Bryce Harper, yep. he was the number one pick. He blew out his arm, I believe. Struck out 14 in his MLB debut. Had to get Tommy John literally the next day and was, like, not the same. And then has battled his way all the way back with the same team, too. It's it's a it's a very Jose— I didn't think he would make it back. It's a very Jose Altuve type of situation. Um, and when you look at he most innings pitched out of any pitcher uh, by point one, um, granted, I think Garrett Cole's 14 innings pitched. Strasburg has 14.1. But uh, it is an incredible comeback, and it has came at no better time because Scherzer's also been banged up. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really great that they can lean on him, uh, and it'll be really interesting to see. You and I were kind of joking before. Um, the show and, and full transparency. By the time you guys are listening to this, the game, game seven will have happened, it will already have happened. Which but, we're very upset about that we can't talk about game seven. Yeah, too, but so that does that does think, but he might even get a chance on you know a day's rest, a day's rest to come saying, in yeah. and, and possibly if it goes way late and uh, they need pitchers. Randy Johnson got the fifth win in the 0-1 series. He pitched game six and then in game seven he came in eighth and ninth inning against the Yankees. Madison, Madison Bumgarner fa- infamous, not infamously, famously in the 2014 World Series came in and got the save. Like, <laughs> like it, it's it's happened and they're not, they're not going to be afraid to bring Strasburg out the bullpen. So before we shift over to the opposing side, the Houston Astros, who do you you guys think's gonna win tonight? I have the Astros. I do. Who do I think or who I want? I want the Astros I to win, we, as I, I stated. I, I, I want the, the Astros, Astros to win too because of my just dislike from the Nationals. It, it's it's a pattern format I'm seeing with this World Series, and I think <laughs> the Astros play best when they have their back against the wall. They have a huge sense of urgency, but it's a it's a game seven. And if I've learned anything, anything about, I've, literally anything can happen in a yeah. game seven. Like you have to throw everything out the window. You just have to play baseball. You have to play whatever sport you're playing. Plus, the Nationals are away, so you know. They'll probably win since right. they're the away team. That's just how it's going. But, go I was going to say about this game seven, it's only the second time ever that it's a matchup. Start two starting pitchers matching up that have both won, that are both Cy Young Award winners. The only other time was in the 1967 World Series game seven when Bob Gibson mm-hmm. lined up against Jim Lonborg. And let's let's talk about Jim the Longboard team that classic. Zach Greinke is going to pitch for the Houston Astros because look, 
There's some stars. There's some stars on that side well, too. Well, let's like, kick it like, off with George Springer. Obviously, he's a standout. He's been the Astros' best hitter in this this series. Mm-hmm. He's clearly been the Astros' best hitter in the series, and it's very likely he'll be named the MVP of the series if they win. Yeah, um, second highest WPA, second highest win probability added uh, in George Springer, and it can't. The leadoff hitter is the most important spot in the lineup it is like he's the tone setter for that team and you see it when he gets on and they get going i do think bregman is the key to that offense but when george springer gets on and gets going it's a ripple effect through that whole lineup um and you're right it's, and we're focusing a lot of what's going on on the plate there hasn't been crazy good defensive plays in this world series um but we're focusing a lot on the plate. and if we're doing that george springer has to be the epicenter of yeah it. And, and i think the guy who you mentioned um who i think is another standout obviously is bregman he has you couple- see it was night and day when that when that series got turned around it's because bregman got going and he's and whenever he has had a hit it's been uh, you know the home runs that he that he has had have been in big spots i loved him Carrying the bat down to first base. You like that? I do. Um, as, as a baseball player, I don't like that. You just don't do that. Like, there's, there's other. I'd much rather. Because then Soto did it back. That's why. I, I think that's why I'm okay with it. Right. I'd much rather you pimp the hell out of the home run, do the craziest bat toss, do whatever. Don't carry the bat all the way down the line. So, right. And he has. Unless you want a fastball to your chin and next well, time. That's the thing, they're not going to do that in the World Series, or they probably won't do that in the World Series. Not going to uh, happen. Anything's you. possible. They'll, no, put no, you, no. they'll put you in, uh, right, in a bind with an inside fastball. I don't know if they'll Steven Strasburg is one of the most even keeled people. So, I mean. You do that against Scherzer. You do that against you know a, a hot-headed pitcher. Uh, you're, the next one is is going behind you. He's I, still I only guarantee. hitting six for twenty-six on the. Yeah, world. he's only two thirty-one batting average. But yeah. as I said, he leads his team in RBIs with eight. Yeah. Um, well, you got to look at the past. You got to look at the past four games. You know what I mean? He started one for thirteen, but since is five for thirteen um, since game four with two home runs and six RBIs, and all of them. All of those RBIs, all of those hits has have come in like the most timely fashion. Mm-hmm. And just one last thing before we move on here, uh, I think it's important to touch on Garrett Cole. He's obviously been one of the most impressive guys over the back half of you the mean season. The, the future of Philadelphia Philly, Garrett Cole. Hey, let's hope, man. Let's hope because uh, he is an impending free agent, and I think it's worth noting the way that the Astros have handled him in this series. They've been very cautious. I think it was AJ Hinch, the manager, yeah. who said that. Look, we're going to be we're going to protect him. We want to deliver him into free agency in the best shape possible. They're not going to have the money to re-sign him. So this is like a purely like in good faith move. You don't really see it too often. Are they right for doing so? Yes, of course they're right for doing so. Um is it is it like you know common to do that? No. Should we expect teams to do this moving forward? No. But the Astros are coming from such a place of privilege where when your window is a mile high mm. for success, you can afford to do this. I guarantee you if the Astros were looking around their team and they had a bunch of 35-year-olds and they, you know, they realized that we only have a year or two to do this, I can promise you they would not care about how Garrett Cole is next year on somebody else's team. But they have the ability to one retool and two when they when they lose Garrett Cole who's right behind them to come up in oh, that got, in in that starting pitching rotation and Verlander so you're not and especially even I'm in cool. the series you're I'm not cool. you're not too worried about it right. but like you, cool. it does affect it because he would have started game four and then he probably starts game seven if he if you're really pushing him 
steady starts game five and will probably come in in relief um, if necessary, most likely going to be necessary uh, We're going to see at least three or four starting pitchers at the bullpen for both teams. Yeah, uh, I agree. All hands on deck for game okay, seven. Okay, guys, let's transition to the NBA. We can't, we can't go through one episode without at least <laughs> I know. T- touching on the NBA. I know, I know. We've been bad with it. We've been bad with it. With so many NBA stars being on different teams, I feel like we're almost in a new school. Mm. So let's name some NBA superlatives like we're back in high school. I love it. Uh, Take me back. Take me back. All right, so first... Who is the best bromance? Screw them boys up in Houston. I'm not giving them I no keep it, like you. I'm not giving them I no knew you, you, let me Just be honest with me, okay? You were never a James Harden fan. Never. Like, even when you, you Chris that. Paul was on his team, I know you wanted to rip Harden but could not because Chris Paul was on the Rockets. I, you're, you're 100% exact. <laughs> <laughs> You're 100. Bro, when I would watch this man come down and pound the basketball for 18 seconds of the shot shot clock, take a step back three and brick this jaw off the side of the backboard, right, down and, six in the fourth, like. and chalk it up so this is our <laughs> offensive game plan. I wanted to take a right eye to Houston and strangle this man. No, no doubt about it. Now that my favorite team favorite player isn't on his team, screw James Harden. Okay, I'm done, okay. I'm done with him. So yes, full transparency. So for that, I'm not naming them as best bromance. I'm going down to the other team in Texas and the Dallas Mavericks and say Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis are are the best bromance. One, it's, it's two European guys, two guys with a very similar playing style, and you can see how much fun they have on the court. And Luka Doncic is so happy that Kristaps Porzingis is back to looking like Kristaps Porzingis, who, in my opinion, at his best, is a is a top three, maybe top two power forward in the league. And they're, they're, they're going to have hybrid firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and I, I've been keeping track of... Uh, they, they are a pair that really intrigue me. And when you look at how they're being used, Doncic has an insane usage rate. I'm not sure of the exact number right now. But, like, they are abusing, like, a 2K game, like, spamming the pick and roll, yeah. pick and pop. Because that, that's such a matchup nightmare. Who you, what are you going to do? Right. Kristaps shot, like, 12 threes one game, like, which is a little much for a seven-footer for me. He hits them. I was about to say, when he's shooting 40-something percent, like, it's okay. Right. Who's your best Who's your best bromance? Like, I can't even say it because, like, you're going to jump on oh, my back. Oh, no, okay. It's, you, it's, it's, go ahead. I no, can't even say it. But, like, when you look at how Joel and Ben Simmons. This one's valid. This because one's valid. they've grown together. This one's valid. Through the entire process, well, for the most part of the process, they've been together. They've seen all things around them change. GMs change. Teams change. And they've been there through the, the entire thing. And they're really the face of the t- of the franchise, both of them. Um, so now I really feel like they're coming into their own as like, okay, we are expected to be stars. We're no longer like, ooh, maybe Philly will be good this year. It's Philly better be good this year. Yeah. The Philly is expected to be good this year. And that will fall on the backs of those two. So far, they've been good. The Sixers still undefeated. They're they're playing right now as we speak. They're playing against the Timberwolves, who are also undefeated, so I'm that could change. Jules about to get out of here. Um, <laughs> out of here. But yeah, that would be my choice, regardless of what team I support. All right, speed it up. Uh, most likely to become internet famous. Let me kick this one off. And let me say, let me tell you why I want to kick this one off. Donovan McNabb tweeted about a day ago, with everything starting to come out with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets went well, Kevin Durant realized maybe I should have stayed in Golden State. Boy, I've seen this happen before. Emoji, emoji, emoji. Kevin Durant tweeted back at Donovan McNabb. He goes, relax, McNabb. He got like 23.5K likes on that. They're it's, both goofy. They're both goofy. They're, both oh, they're just so sensitive. Goofballs. They're really sensitive. They're both. they're both. Kevin Durant is already internet famous 
internet infamous. Like infamous. Infamous. People take shots at KD, who me's most likely to be internet famous, and he's kind of all ready for his bench reactions. Is Theo Pinson. Yes, Theo Pinson. Theo, Theo, Theo Pinson on the Brooklyn Nets. I've never I have yet to see this man enter an NBA basketball game. I've yet to see him play. And I've seen okay, him on buddy. Twitter more than anybody else. I love I love it. Like if you're if your role is a bench guy. Be a bench guy. <laughs> like, like be the best, be the best, be the MVP of the bench then. Like, if that's your role, be the best bench player there is in the Ford NBA. Ford Madsen won two rings because he was a hype bench guy for yeah. the Lakers in the early 2000s. LeBron James has carried James Jones through his entire <laughs> career because he's a great support man. It worked. It's you like, all right, what am I packing? All right, yeah. I got all my socks, got all my shirts. Oh, James, James, James Jones, come on, we're yeah. going. Stop uh, him he's like suitcase. a pump-up guy. Yeah. He's like, um, no asset. Mine, and, and like, this is like, it's kind of a tough cut. Because he's the leader of his team. He's RA, won the MVP. Giannis Antetokounmpo, I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff like where like he kind of makes like jokes here and there on Instagram Live. He is like genuinely hilarious. Yeah. Like just like Joel Embiid, like he had all of his uh Twitter antics and you know, for better or for worse. Uh Antetokounmpo, him trying try to dance, a seven three bull trying to dance. Like it, he's like genuinely funny, like the stuff he says to the media. So I could see some of the stuff now that especially um now with the, his looming free agency, not this upcoming year, but the year after that, he'll he'll have a chance to sign a contract with the Bucks. He's already made some comments, so mm. I could see him getting a little snarky with the media, a little funny. Look, a lot of people are going to come at us and be, "How do you not say Kawhi?" Like we're trying to be creative here, people. Of course, Kawhi Kawhi's already he's right. already internet famous. Trying right. people right. will most likely to become it. So right. I'm, I'm trying he's to get reluctantly out internet famous. Yeah, you don't want to be internet famous. <laughs> All right, next, most likely to be your boss. Most likely to be your boss. Guess who I'm going to say, Jewel? It's oh. most likely to be your boss. Sir LeBron James. Oh, if, please. If there's anyone in the NBA who's most likely to become a coach, an executive, an owner, which all three are bosses, is it not LeBron? He He's a... Since 2006, he's been a boss of every every team he's, he's been on. His own team. Okay, okay. So he is most likely to become your boss for obvious reasons. I don't even need to go into an argument. And, and far and away, like, there's no really anyone close to being like a shoe in for an executive like LeBron James is for that reason I'll look at coaches and like we had an interaction on Twitter a couple days ago um with a fan page of this particular player and I think TJ McConnell as someone who you think a you could be in come a see me game, TJ come uh, see we'll me move on from that it's just a fallacy but just as someone who works incredibly hard, we've seen all around the coaches who are good are players who maybe they had some experience, they lasted in the NBA for a while, but they understand the ins and outs of what it means to grind to get better yeah. and, and do all the little things. Because, you know, LeBron, Michael Jordan, those guys probably don't make the best coaches because a lot of things came naturally to them. And they don't make the best coaches because, right, they, it comes naturally and because they're so much better skilled than everybody. When they say, hey, do this, like, people can't just do that, right. LeBron. All right, like, cut he, in, fall backwards, throw it over your right shoulder, and hit the guy in the corner. People can't just do that. You can't coach some of these things. So I will I will agree with you that TJ McConnell will be a great coach. Don't mean that I can't beat him one-on-one. So TJ, come see me. All right, moving on. Most improved since freshman year. Most improved or most changed since freshman year? I'm going to go most changed. I like that because okay. for my most changed, I got to go to Kevin Love. Kevin Love hmm. from rookie. Do you remember big, pudgy, fat rookie Kevin Love? And then the Kevin Love that he... This man, Kevin Love, what came in the league a walking 24 and 12. Easy. Jake, we talk about this all the time. Easy walking 24 and 12. This man can't sniff a rebound now. 
<laughs> yeah, because he dropped the weight, and now he's on the cover of GQ, getting bitches. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, he sacrificed the weight for getting bitches. I mean, you can't hate it. You sacrificed the rebounds oh, for... Uh, I, I, sal- I salute to the man. You sacrificed the weight to, to get well, girls. Especially once again. LeBron was like, look, you're going to be a stretch forward now that I'm here, so you might as well get used to it. Right. He's most changed because why? His boss told him to change. <laughs> um... The guy who I'm going to go with, there's a lot of different ways. I think that you could slice this, but to me, when you look at on the court, Brooks Lopez is just yeah, a totally yes. different player. Great one. Like, great like, one. He was sharpshooter now. He was a top five back to the basket center in his prime. Like, very, very dominant with the Nets, with his back to the basket, bruising type player. Now they call him Splash Mountain. And his brother, <laughs> he's convinced his brother to shoot. Robin's on the same team. Now he shoots threes. So I love every second of it. I've, it, it I've always awesome. I've always loved Brooke Lopez, yeah. and you're right. It's a completely night and day from when he started. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, the most likely to be late to graduation. I crack up at this one because he's not even in the league anymore. He's over in China. I hope he's doing well. Michael Beasley mm. would oh, be, that's a good one. Would be the most likely to be late to graduation and most likely to forget either his cap or gown when he's there. So the year that he was drafted, um, I believe Russell Westbrook was working out with him and had to wake him up like, hey, Michael, we're going to like the workouts about to start. Like we have to go and like had to like wake him up out of bed. Russell Westbrook is ready um, to go. And clearly you see how their two careers ended up. (laughs) My guy who they call Time Lord over there in Boston, Robert Williams, um, I really liked him out of Texas A&M. He took a bad slide on draft day due to red flags. Personal reasons. He missed his introductory conference call. Mm. He misses his flight and the first day of summer league because he missed the plane. <laughs> and this man, they call him time because time like doesn't matter to him or something because he somehow oh, manages to still be on the team despite all that. That's not even most likely. That's actually late to graduation. Like, like he, he just was will actually be. like late. He you know lost his wallet say? in two days. In two days of uh, being in Boston, I believe that's as a, well. But that's a man who doesn't, who who shouldn't get millions and millions upon dollars. But he can play basketball. He's, he's just, a good basketball he's player. Wake up and, Damn, where'd that ten million go? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's ten million in my account. Do you know where that you know went? Where, where? Um, who's yours, Joe? Who's uh, yours? I love him, but he's just such an oaf. Bobin, Bobby, he's Bobie. just so slow, dude. Bobby, no. Pick up your feet, man. Like, pick Bobie's up your freaking feet. Bobby's, Bobby's that player that. Would be on time for graduation and go to the wrong room. That's right. Bobby. Like, what? Oh, where's graduation again? Like, <laughs> the wrong room. Yeah, God, I love funny. it. Oh, uh, please. All right, let's head to the countdown. Number five. Number five. The number of 25 point triple doubles Luka Doncic has in his career. Only Jason Kidd has more in Mavericks history with six. I mean, we've been high on Luka Doncic since he came into the league. Such a skilled player. Um, and this this only points that he doesn't just score rebounds, assists does it all i mean he's i think he's a superstar in the making i really do absolutely i mean you know so far he already has five it's a year and a year and change into his career and you're you're gonna see with the added usage right now with him and porzingis they're not gonna be able to focus on him like they did last year and he's just gonna thrive yeah number four the number of players in nba history to score 50 points and have zero (laughs) turnovers in a game mj ai wilt chamberlain and now Kyrie Irving, I was super impressed. I, I was shocked that Kyrie put in uh, such a great performance. Maybe not shocked, but the zero turnovers, like, that, that is something else for a 50-point game. That, especially for how much Kyrie handles the ball and isn't always the most ball-secure. Right. Like, that's that's pretty impressive. I'll, I'll give him up to that. Missed the game winner, though. Number three. 
Number three, the number of Timberwolves with at least 30 points and 10 rebounds in a season opener. That's Kevin Garnett. Oh, look at that. Old Kevin Love. <laughs> Full circle. And then now Cat this year. We've been pretty critical on Cat sometimes. He's been, he been little Pillsbury Doughboy in the paint sometimes. The picture with him and Cousins is literally one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. But no, in my he's life. made he makes that face more than once. Like that's not the first time in the that last face time tonight against he's Joel. made that face. But and look, but Cat has his moments. He's, this is MVP year. Yeah. I'm marking it now. He has a chance to win MVP with the numbers he's putting up. Yeah, right. Number two. All right, so uh, I didn't let James see this one. What is he going to say? There have been two players in NBA history. <laughs> two players in NBA history to have eight-plus steals and four-plus blocks in their first three games. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, is Michael Jordan. And the other one is Matisse Thibel, baby. Please. You can mark it down. Please. It is science. It is proven. It's what more do I have to say? I didn't let you see it because you would nix fact. it. Straight oh, fact. That God. is a fact. He's the next Michael Jordan. Like, I don't I can't oh believe it took me this long oh, to like, see it. Get, finish the show without me. I'm leaving. We need you to do number one. Uh, Bring it down to number one. The number of... I'm bringing it back to number two. <laughs> get, like, get like, like, Jake, I understand you are hype on Matisse Thibel. I really do understand it. And I know a lot of this, I hope, is like facetious and satirical. But please get it out of your head. It is four games into this season. You're crying. I don't think. <laughs> I frustrate so tears of frustration. Like, I can't take this anymore. Cool. Matisse Thibel is like, cool. I'm great for Matisse Thibel. Get out of here. Cool. Go down to number one. Bring it down to number one. The number of Lakers to record a 40-point and 20-rebound game since Shaq did it in 2003. That was Anthony Davis last night against the Grizzlies. Um, I think everyone was kind of wondering how this LeBron-AD relationship was going to go. So far, so good. Yeah, and he did a lot of his work from the free-throw line, which um, is a good thing for the Lakers. I mean, like 24 free-throw attempts yeah, last night? It yeah. means that he's being physical. It means that teams are going are getting in bad positions with him, and that just means that your offense is working. So good on, good on him. It was a great game. He became him and Wilt were the only two are the only two people ever to have a forty point twenty rebound performance with twenty five free throws. They go. were found the shit out of Wilt back in the day. They didn't Anthony give a Davis, damn. Anthony Davis is the new Wilt Chamberlain. That's that's your logic right there. I mean, I, I, mean, I guess, but it's not true on, like, the other one that I anyway, said. Anyway, all right. We're almost out of time, and thank God I can't take this anymore. But we can get some shots about the buzzer. Julie, you have anything to say at the buzzer? I do. Don't do it. Don't look at me like that. Don't do me like this. I put makeup on Jake before <laughs> we came on today. So, Jewel. <laughs> Jake has a beauty, like, little, like, show mark them, on the, his eyebrow. Well, no, you can't see it because I filled right it in one? with. That's the other one. It's the right one. Uh, I, I, I penciled in Jake's eyebrow because he has a little beauty mark, a little birthmark, and I it bothers me every episode so I think uh, yeah Jewel like here's the thing like she was in doing her makeup and like thought about me so much that she came out and like just put mid the pen, makeup mid makeup pen to the head like here let me do something and I he had forced, no say I just grabbed here's the head. thing here's the thing people everybody at home he didn't fight it he over here trying to act like he fighting no he James, allowed it here's the thing if you if 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 there's something wrong looking with you and someone's like, here, let me fix it. Like, if there was something, like, on your lip or something, I'd be like, yo, you got something on your lip. Would you come at me with a pen and try to wipe it off? No, and I'm not going to let you. You. I mean, her. if that's what the job required, a pen to do it, <laughs> I, it may be. Save yourself. You have something to say at the buzzer? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm a huge Kanye West fan. Um, I'm also Jewish. So as you can imagine, it's been pretty rough for me. I have no idea where this is um, going. <laughs> Kanye's new album, Jesus is King, came out. Uh, Production-wise, it is... Phenomenal, as usual, in my opinion. I mean, I, there's a lot of it's 11 songs, so it's a little longer than his other two albums that he released, kind of back to back, and Kids See Ghosts and Yay. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, you know, it's not a ton of conventional radio songs, which we're used to with Kanye, but heavy, heavy lean on Christianity, Jesus Christ. And it's just hard for me to get into as a Jewish guy. I know there, you know, I really, really liked Coloring Book by Chance, which is, has um, religious undertones all throughout it. But, you know, that's him talking about God. Uh, and Kendrick also has a couple albums where he has, you know, a lot of lyrics about God, not necessarily Jesus or Christianity. So like, that's that's the main differentiator when people will say, oh, well, you really like Coloring Book. I don't know. I, I You know, to each their own, I... I don't have any problem with with anyone liking it, so and with, I thought it was sonically a good album. I was about to say, so so. With that being said, is it a good album or not? Do you like the album? Uh, yes, it, it is. Once again, Kanye doesn't have a poor quality album. Call it good or bad, even Yeezus, if you don't like it, is good quality What's music. What's song on it? Uh, probably. Probably um, follow God. Follow it's God's it, mind. it is the most like poppy. Um, it, great it might hook. get some. It. it the God part, It'll get party plays, club It'll get party plays, and it today. might get radio plays. He references God a little bit too much to get radio plays. It might get radio. It's poppy enough to right. get radio plays. But Kanye's best religious song is, will always be Jesus Walks. Yeah, of course. Jesus Walks. He, um, of course. Yeah, it's a great one as well. But overall, not, not a bad album. I don't think it ranks in the top half of Kanye albums. It, it ranks probably ahead of Ye and Kid See Ghosts, but below the... The lo- be- uh, I'm gonna ignore that. Below the life of Pablo, so like mid to low range. He he apparently has another one coming out on December 25th. Is that Yandi? This was a special. No, one. that's Jesus has risen. So might be more of the same. Oh, here we go. That's right. Right before Christmas too. Right. It, well, who knows? He might have a mood swing and it'll become Jesus has risen yeah, and it's back well, to his old self. Very very good. Uh, all I have to say at the buzzer is it's spooky season and Halloween is tomorrow. Um, and it sucks getting old because. I like dressing up for Halloween. I liked getting creative and putting stuff on. I really like, I mean, I like trick-or-treating as a kid. That's not what I miss, but I miss the excitement of trying to figure out a Halloween costume. And, like, when you walk up in the party city and you're this old and, like, you try on a bunch of different, you know, outfits and you're asking people, what should I be for Halloween? You get, like, weird looks. And I don't know, man. Like, I miss, I miss Halloween. I miss what Halloween used to be. I celebrated this weekend. Call me wash. You did. You were, what were you, a party animal? a party animal. I wore <laughs> I cheated. Do that every basic, basic. Yeah, yeah, right. Do that stupid little, like, thing. Do like, little, it's thing. a party whistle. The, yeah, the party, the party whistle. The party whistle. I don't know. I miss it. And it's funny because it's, it's crazy how things shift because I used to love Halloween. I used to love, especially the night before Halloween, Mischief Night. I used to love it. Now, I'm like that old man standing on his porch watching kids TV. What time do you go to bed? Hey, what? What time do I go to bed? I'm tucked in by 10 o'clock. So you won't even be up for like the mischief night. Don't start till midnight, yeah. Long after that. I'm I'm tucked in by 10. It's crazy how life comes at you fast, man. All kids out there, enjoy enjoy being kids. But uh, that's all the time we have for this episode today. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sopieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera for my partner, Joel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man, Jake. Gala, he needs to let go of Matisse Thibel. I am James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up.